One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Let's, um, let's start out with a couple questions, because I, I, I like to kind of get everybody set with maybe you realizing where you're at versus where the Holy Spirit wants to take you, right? How many of you know that the Holy Ghost always has more for you? Yes. Right? He never leaves you where he found you. Um, and it's never about you settling and becoming routine in what you even heard him do with you yesterday because there's always a new thing, right? There's, he's always leading you. And that's really how the foundation of trust with the Holy Spirit um, grows and uh, the supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit is actually released through you because you're not making your own decisions. You're actually hearing and going and, and, and letting the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do, right? That's a completely different mindset than a religious mindset. Religious mindset comes to church, hopes there's a good message, and makes it back home for the cowboy game, right? <laughs> Amen? But the spirit-filled life is supposed to be, there's never the same day, right? Right? The elders around the throne, right? They throw their crown. Um, uh, they see the glory of God. And they fall on their face because they're in awe of the supernatural. They see the supernatural and it, it makes, it, it awes them. You've been awed by God today? Yes. Yes? yes. For real? Yes. Okay. Amen. Then we're all the same thing. Um, <laughs> but that glory to glory to glory. So that kind of sets up the, the opening question. Um, can you function as a Christian without the glory of God? I hear a lot of people say, well, I just, you know, I got saved. I said yes at the altar 10 years ago. But there's no, nothing supernatural happening in my life. Right? And so you, gotta, you, you, should, you should actually set that um, as a, as a uh, starting point moving forward in your life. Can you function without the glory of God? And the simple answer to that is no. Okay? <laughs> um, there's a lot of reasons why people perceive or think that the glory of God is not for them. Well, that's for that Moses guy. That's for that Elijah guy. That's for, um, you know, Peter, James, and John. That's for Paul. But little old me, there's no, there's no glory for me. Well, that's a lie, okay? The, glo the glory of God is actually, there's no way you can actually be a real Christian without the glory of God, okay? So Jesus actually demonstrated the glory of God by... Um, he, he, he grows up, right, 30 years old. Um, he gets to the Jordan, right? The prophet is waiting for him. He goes to the Jordan. Uh, John the Baptist sees the dove rest on Jesus, symbolizing the glory of God, came out of heaven upon him, right? So Jesus didn't just function as a man. He came as a man, but he didn't just function as a man, the dove symbolizing heaven opening up and clothing Jesus is a picture of Jesus being launched into his supernatural ministry because he lived as a man 
and then lived as a man with the glory openly demonstrated. Two different seasons. Okay? Some of you might be in the pre-glory season. Okay? But there's always a season of baptism where the glory is to rest on you, just like it rested on Jesus. And what happened when the, when the glory rested on Jesus? Are you with me? Everywhere Jesus went, to the woman at the well, right? One woman, he reads her mail with a prophetic utterance. He knows her, her life. She goes and brings a whole city to him, right? The next day, boys, we're going to across the, the sea of Galilee to, to the man chained to the tombs, right? He, he, goes, he goes to the, to the man chained at the tombs. They drive the demon, the demoniac, the, 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 the legion out of the demoniac, right? And suddenly it says he's clothed and in his right mind. And months later, when Jesus comes back into the region, the whole region, who actually wanted to throw him off the mountain with his pigs because they got rid of their livelihood, they're now wanting Jesus, okay? Boys, we're going to the feed the 5,000, all right? Boys, we're, we're going to, um, you know, heal, heal the paralytic, right? And so Jesus demonstrated life before functioning in the glory versus when he became um, the glory of God. Jesus actually prayed in John 17. He said, glorify me that I may glorify you. You ever pray that prayer? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe we'll pray that here in a minute. All right? Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I, I have lived pre-glory and post-glory. I'm, I'm here to tell you, Living in the glory is a lot is a lot more supernatural um, and victorious than living outside of the glory. Okay, there's a lot of Christians, believe it or not, who grow up in in religious formats who are actually trained to think that they try to do it in their own strength, which is a religious mindset that you actually don't need the Holy Spirit, right? You don't need miracles, you don't need signs and wonders, but. That's actually a lie. We're, we're going we're gonna to kind of dive deep into that here tonight in a minute here. But um, Jesus demonstrated a life of the supernatural, right? Yeah. And, and uh, he, he said, these signs will follow those that believe in my name. You'll cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. You will also live in the glory, right? So after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, I, I told some of you the story of how the Lord sent me to India in a dream. Um, but... You know, I spent about five years um, doing two or three week missions in India, and uh, every day was a different supernatural thing. And um, how many of you guys um, know that you should be expecting the visitation of the Lord? All right? So a mindset of visitation creates a hunger and a thirst to actually desire and expect a new glory, right? Because you can't create your own glory. Right? That's called self-righteousness. But when you desire to have an encounter, um, he sh he's imparting to you a new glory. Okay? So how many, how many of you guys um, have ever seen a person in church in a hot, supernatural, Holy Ghost meeting? How many of you have ever seen somebody either fall down and completely, like, out in the Spirit? They can't, they can't get up. They're just laying there pinned to the floor. How many have ever seen that? Yeah. All right, so about half of you have seen that, all right? Um, so 
I was, uh, I, I was, I was uh, going to this uh, certain church in India, um, and I've been into a lot of different churches. I've, uh, the Lord sent me into Methodist churches, uh, Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, just about every denomination um, I've been in, okay? And I, I went into this one church, um, and in India, uh, this, uh, the, the, the Lutheran denomination um, is pretty prevalent in this one area. They, they, they've done a lot of uh, um, mission work over the years. And so um, I, I go into this one church, my interpreter takes me into this church, and uh, we walk in, and um, I call it, you know, do you ever see like the, a Lutheran priest? You know how they're dressed up completely? They kind of look like a Catholic priest. Mm -hmm. They've got the big chain cross. They've got the hat. They've got, you know, just the whole garb, okay? They meet me at the door, and my interpreter, um, we walk in, and I I start to preach, and I'm I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking out at the crowd. There's probably about 150 people in this church, and there's there's blind, and I I don't know if you've ever been to India, but, man, there's deaf people that are deaf and mute, all over the place. Uh, there's blind people all over the place just because there's no medical care. and um, There's a number of reasons for it. But, I mean, I'm looking at the church. and I mean, it looks like a, a, it looks like a hospital, okay? Wow. And I, I'm, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to preach. Um, and uh, there's the, the, the Lutheran pastor was a, was a woman. She's, she's sitting in, a, in this big... Uh, big chair uh, made out of wood and it's kind of like you know they're they elevate themselves above the people I don't know if you've ever been in a church organization like that um, but they elevate themselves she she was elevated above the people she has her garb on like you know she's more holy than than everybody else so her appearance is what she is um, and she's sitting there um, and I don't know how my interpreter got me into this place uh, because obviously the theology doesn't match up, okay? And so I start to preach about the Holy Spirit, and I don't know what, what's going to happen. And all of a sudden I look over, and um, this Lutheran priest um, is in, she's literally in a trance, wow. and she, she's pasted to the chair, her head's back, and you can see her eyes going, but she can't move her body. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, because I've seen this, I saw it a couple times before, but this was like the Lord wanted to do something supernatural in this place, okay? Um, and so I start to preach, and I notice, her, I notice her, like she's like not moving, and I'm, I'm like, I'm all into the, you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we're about to pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And one of the, one of the guys that was traveling with me, um, he uh, had... A, a word of knowledge about a particular person in the back who was blind that they were going to get healed. So we call this person forward, and this just this just uh, it just wasn't like, hey, this guy has eyes and he can't see. This guy, all he had was whites uh, in his eye. There there was no eyeball, okay, in either eye. And he comes he comes forward, and uh, guy with me lays his hand on him. And um, he spe- he's speaking out of a vision. He had a vision, and he said, I saw the Lord touch your eyes, and you're going to be healed. You're going to be able to see. And he starts to pray uh, for this person. And I kid you not, man, eyeballs literally appeared in this guy's eyes. And 
the Lutheran priest was positioned perfectly, and she's like, I mean, she she's like, like the fear of God came came down over her. Okay, and um, anyway, we turn this guy around. The crowd, the the, the church goes crazy. Um, we, we call everybody up who's blind, deaf, mute, anybody. We, and we're, we're praying for people, people getting healed all over the place, okay? And um, we, then, we then begin to pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because that's what I do. I mean, my, my main mission um, is for the glory of God to rest on everybody, okay? For people to be baptized um, in the Holy Spirit. We'll get to some theology about that here in a second. But um, the, the question... Um, well, what, what happened next in the story is this. Um, the whole church begins praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and their theology was, there is no Holy Ghost. Okay, The Holy Ghost, sensationalists believe that the Holy Ghost was taken out. That was just for those special 11 apostles. Um, and they have no explanation for Paul, who came after the original 11. They just believe that there is no more Holy Spirit present, right? And so, anyway, her whole church is literally set on fire. They're praying in tongues. And, and how many of you know that once you have an experience with God, there's no philosophical discussion, there's no theology that can change your mind or deceive you because there's nothing that argues against the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. Right? And so, I'm not sure how this is going to end, right? Because we get finished with the body, and all of a sudden, I mean... She, it's like the, 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 what the Lord was doing her on with her, literally, it's like you could see her. She starts moving again. She gets up and she starts, she comes to me and she starts asking me, what, what was that? 15 minutes later, she's baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, okay? And um, her religious garb literally starts coming off of her, all right? And so... Um, I guess, you know, one of the, one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you about is, um, you know, Jesus intentionally sends people into places that theologically are limited by their own uh, fruition or their own lack of encounter with the Lord. There's many reasons, um, but ultimately, all these denominations that say Jesus is Lord, right? And it's real. They, they believe Jesus is Lord. The, the Lord sends people to those places because He has more for them. That they do, They're not just to stay in an acceptance of Christ for their sin. They're supposed to um, embrace the fullness of the glory of God that they too would go into the earth and demonstrate the kingdom. Okay? How many, how many of you know that the kingdom is... Paul said this in, in second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, The kingdom uh, of heaven is not um, in philosophical words of men or wise words of wisdom of men, but in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, I talked about this the other night with the prophetic group at the church. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 4, um, it's in, verse, in verse 24, it says, that Jesus went about doing good, healing all. He healed the paralytics. He, he cast out the demons from the demon-possessed. Um, he healed the blind eyes. Um, and it says that the fame of Jesus grew. 
The multitude began to follow Jesus as the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit was released through him. The word, the word fame actually is the Greek word that means echoe. It means um, the ability to hear and see in the Spirit. How many of you know it's, it, the Scripture says that the world, the people in the world, are blinded by the prince of the power of the air, mm-hmm. right? So how are they going to hear and see spiritually? Is it just you trying to teach people a Bible? That's not the way Jesus did it. Jesus didn't do anything about trying to convince people about a philosophical position on the Scripture. Jesus walked into places and did things that the Pharisees who knew that Scripture could not do. He walked in, he picked out one woman, he picked out one man, cast the demons out of them, healed them, and because the kingdom came on that person... Right? The multitude was spiritually gifted to see and hear in the Spirit in a way that they couldn't. Right? So I'll ask you the question again. Can you, can you live your Christian walk without the glory of God? Jesus couldn't do it. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom by releasing the kingdom upon the people. And everybody who witnessed it witnessed the kingdom. Right? So, how many miracles have you worked in the last 30 days? <laughs> I'm challenging you. Okay? How, ma- how many prophetic words have you given in the last 30 days? How many demons have you cast out of people in the last 30 days? Because if you're not demonstrating the kingdom by the reliance on the, of the glory of God, what are you demonstrating? Because all I'm doing to you today is witnessing to you that the Lord sends me all over the place, wakes me up in the middle of the night, go here, go to this church and say this to this person. Go to this church. I have, this is what I want to do with this pastor. Um, <clears throat> why? Because he wants to take an, an entire group of people into a new glory. Okay? You with me, church? Yes. All right. So I want to talk to you in a minute about the difference between forgiveness and life coming into a person versus the power, the glory of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of people don't understand it. And they end up in theological arguments that, how many of you know that a theological argument, debating scripture back and forth with people, is not the demonstration of the kingdom? Okay? The demonstration of the kingdom is, all right, Holy Ghost, what are you saying to this person? What do you want to do with this person? How are you going to expose the kingdom to this person, right? That they would believe in the kingdom and not my philosophical better argument than the guy next to me. You with me? How many of you ever got frustrated witnessing the people, although you have a Bible in front of you and you sit there trying to prove to them, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Did you ever realize that that's your own strength? That's your own self-desiring will to prove God's right. How many, how many of you know that you're not here to prove God's right? You're here to demonstrate God's presence. You're here to demonstrate the Holy Ghost present. Okay? So let me, let me teach you something here real quick. John chapter 20, verse 19. This is immediately at the resurrection, right? Jesus is raised from the dead. Uh, he encounters Mary. He encounters the disciples. And um, starting in verse 19, 
Then on the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, uh, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be to you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is at the resurrection. Okay, right at the resurrection, all the, the called ones are sitting in a room, shaking in fear. Jesus walks through the wall, which is amazing. Like, come on, Jesus, walk through this wall right now, baby. <laughs> and so Jesus walks through this wall, and he starts saying, peace to you, right? And he's, what he's doing is, is he said, he, he breathed on them, and, and so he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about is your sin is forgiven. Okay, so he's breathing life. They had no life. In the Old Testament, they had no life. Jesus is now resurrected. He has defeated death. And he, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's talking about entering. He's talking about you receiving Jesus and the Holy Spirit entering you. Okay, but then within days, in, um, he, he has further discussions Right? He's, he's, he walks on the earth for 40 days. Okay? And he has further discussions with a whole lot of people. And he speaks to the, the, the disciples and, he's, and, and, and the others that were following. Okay? Because it wasn't just the disciples at this point. There were people believing. Right? And so Jesus is interacting with them. Okay? And so he's breathing on them. He's breathing, he's breathing his victory over death into them. So they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's entering them. But he says in the midst of those discussions, in Luke 24, he talks about, I'm going to ascend, but you're not finished. Don't leave this city until I send the power, the dunamis power, the supernatural power out of heaven. It's going to clothe you. He actually uses the word, it's going to clothe you. Verse 49 says, the Holy Ghost is going to clothe you. Right? And so, on the day of Pentecost, what happens? Right? The sound of the mighty rushing wind comes. Right? It, it enters the room, and it says, tongues of fire rested on each individual. Right? There was a visible presence of the Holy Ghost on the person. Okay? So what happened when the Holy Ghost... Now, they had already received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Their, their sin is forgiven. And Jesus said, you're not finished. Don't try to do this without what I'm going to do to you next. You're wasting your time. You cannot demonstrate my kingdom fully without what I'm going to do to you next. Okay? And so when Jesus said that to them, and the day of Pentecost comes, tongues of fire rest on every person in that upper room. Right? And it made them so supernatural the presence of God on them was so supernatural that somebody started to laugh like Michael, right? Somebody started to laugh, and then two people started to laugh, and then five people start to laugh, and then the whole room is laughing so powerfully in the presence of the Holy Ghost. It says they spilled out into the streets, and Peter had to stand up and say, we're not drunk, as you suppose, but we are intoxicated with the Holy Spirit and power, right? 
We're, we're intoxicated. He goes, this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, right? That you would dream his dream and see his vision, right? That you would actually carry heaven. You would carry the glory of God, right? And so the supernatural assignment to receive and carry the Holy Spirit, the supernatural <laughs> assignment to re um, not only receive the forgiveness of sin, but to be clothed in power is not an option. And a lot of you have been taught that it's an option. If it's an option, why did Jesus breathe on the 11 and say, you're not finished? I have more to equip you with that will make you supernatural like the Father made me supernatural. You with me, church? Yeah, you see, there's this underlying just bad theology that, oh yeah, you just have to just say yes to Jesus. And you don't need to encounter the King. You don't need to have encounters. You don't need to experience the glory. You don't need to be made supernatural by heaven. You just need to have a good philosophy that makes you look like you understand your scripture. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you see, when you think of you when you think of the scripture like that, it's like, whoa, whoa, I wasted, I don't know about you, but I wasted 35 years in um, a dead theology. Because I had never received the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Miracles, signs, and wonders didn't follow me until I had received the power. But once I had been baptized and clothed in power like they did on the day of Pentecost, everywhere I went, the Lord gave me a vision for this guy. The Lord said, lay your hands on this guy. The Lord said, cast the demon out of this guy. Can anybody relate to that? <laughs> Not yet? <laughs> Well, we're going to get to that. Because here's the deal, guys. Jesus said this in John 17. And this is very specific and distinct for all of us in our walk. He said this. He said, glorify me, Father, that I may glorify you. If Jesus has to ask the Father to glorify him, do you think as a son or daughter of God that you need the Father to glorify you? Do you think you need something to come out of heaven and clothe you in something so that you don't just have this infilling and this feel good, but you have this ability that is way beyond your own ability, right? Jesus didn't launch his ministry till he had something come out of heaven and come on him. So he wasn't just functioning as a man. He was functioning as a man clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so Jesus prays, glorify me, that I may glorify you. And then he, he gets down to verse 21, John 17, 21. He says, I pray that they may be one with you, just as I am one with you. How was Jesus one with the Father? He went into prayer. He, it, 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 the scripture, the, the, whole, the, the uh, gospels are loaded with the pattern of Jesus. We go to 5,000, Jesus goes into prayer. We get up the next day because Jesus knows where we're going. We're going to the woman at the well. Go to the woman at the well. Supernatural things happen at the well. Jesus goes back into prayer. And so you see this pattern of how day after day, the glory. Jesus didn't have a one-time experience. He had a daily experience with another glory. He had a new glory because the world needs the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. The world needs demons cast out of people. The world needs people saved. The world needs... The kingdom of heaven. Right? So Jesus associates oneness 
with you and your value of holding on to this glory that comes out of heaven. You can't you cannot demonstrate the kingdom without glory. Okay? You can know all the scripture you want. You can prove it, you can talk about it, you can look righteous, but the proof of Jesus with you and you obedient to what he's leading you to do is the glory that you submit yourself to and need and desire comes on you and he begins to point you. Because there's no such thing as the glory coming on a person and you not being pointed. When the glory comes on a person, you will be pointed. Okay? The voice of God will shoot out of that glory and begin to hammer you and reform you and, and pepper you and equip you and send you. Amen? Amen. And so... You know, a lot of people, they, they read, they read the, the story about Moses and this revelation of Moses saying, show me your glory, show me your glory, show me your glory, right? And they say, well, that's Moses. That's for Elijah. That's for these big name guys. You know, that's a lie. Because in the Old Testament, the glory, the oil, the power of the Holy Ghost came on a select few. Because the law didn't allow for the masses to come to the Father. The law was given because the masses couldn't go to the Father. Right? They, could, they couldn't ascend the mountain back in the book of Exodus. They couldn't go because sin in them held them back. And so the scripture actually says that it, it exposes the fact that you need the Savior. So what, what is Jesus the Savior? Jesus the Savior is the one who does two things. Right? John chapter 20, he breathes life into you that you are no longer sin-bound, but you're heaven-bound. And then his other commandment is stay in this city until you receive your glory. Receive the glory of, of the Father. Amen? With me, church, that makes sense? Alright? So, how many, how many of you pray that prayer every day? Come on, Lord. I know you've got another glory for me. I know you're going to send me to another place. I know you're going to... Who, who around me needs a demon cast out of them today? Who around me has such heavy depression on them? Let me be sensitive to it, Lord. Send me. Let me, let me go. Right? And so, do you pray that prayer? Show me your glory. Will you pray with me? Yes. All right, on the count of three, I'm going to say, Jesus, show us your glory. All right? One, two, three. Jesus, show us your glory. Come on, do it again. Jesus, show us your glory. Come on, Jesus, send your glory. Show us your glory. Come on, Jesus, baptize me in your glory. Send your glory. Send your glory. My gosh, did you, did you feel the atmosphere change? Do you have the power within you because Jesus blew life into you and you received the forgiveness of sin so you're no longer sin bound but you're a Holy Ghost dependent and you have the power within you to pull down heaven? That can't be true. Believers actually have the power to pull down heaven wherever you are? Nah. Nah, you guys would be casting demons out of people and healing the sick everywhere you went. That's not true, is it? What's wrong with us? <laughs> but here's the deal, guys. Um, let's, let's talk about this concept of two levels of purpose in believers. And I'm going to tell you this up front. Every, every um, function of what I'm going to describe requires you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit 
so that you can flow in His voice so powerfully that you walk in His glory and you're releasing His glory. Okay, this is Acts chapter 5. Then Philip, okay, Philip, Philip, um, Philip's baptized in the Holy Ghost, okay? Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame and, he, and healed them. And there were, was great joy in the city. Okay? Going on to verse 14. In verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the, uh, the, the miracle power of Jesus, the Word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they also might receive the power of the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus breathed in them. They received life. They experienced demons coming out of them. They experienced people getting healed as... Philip was going down there as a believer. Okay? And then they weren't finished. It wasn't simply that they have demons cast out of them. It wasn't simply that they get healed. It wasn't simply that they claim now Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The apostolic anointing now comes, baptizes them in the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? So that they can develop their prayer life and they can develop this relationship because they carry the glory that they too would go and function just like Philip, finding people who don't know Jesus, and when they go, they demonstrate the kingdom. Right? Philip, Philip was not an apostle. Philip, as a teacher, comes and demonstrates the kingdom. He didn't pull out, he didn't simply pull out scripture and say, Well, you have, the Lord says you have to do this, and the Lord says you have to do that. He actually says, you know what? I know you're deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually. Can I pray for you? And he begins healing people. He begins casting demons out of people. He begins demonstrating that somehow this amazing God of mercy came down on him and not only forgave his sin, but clothed him in power. And now he goes out healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out demons and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And the people are converted. Why? Not because... They believed his philosophy but because they were imparted the glory that Philip carried. And then Philip says, hey guys, we got to get this apostolic anointing down here because we also need them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and power. Right? And the apostles come down and says they laid their hands on them. They begin praying in tongues. They begin prophesying. They begin doing the supernatural. What happens? More supernatural believers came to the church, came to the forefront. Just like the pattern that was on, on, on the day of resurrection when Jesus breathed on the disciples, and then he said, stay here, I'm not done with you, until the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and the glory of God is poured out on you. Okay? So, the flow and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and this is really about you falling in love in absolute need in the recognition of how valuable Jesus centered the whole kingdom on the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus actually said this, you can blaspheme me, you can talk about me all day long, but if you blaspheme, if you reject my spirit, if you reject the way of my kingdom, you're a fool. You're a fool. You've been lied to. You, you've been taken by the theologians, by the lawyers, by the Sadducees, who take, who take you into a philosophical belief system that's powerless instead of the only one who grants power to the believer. That scares you. I, that, when, I, when the Lord gave me that revelation, that scared the daylights out of me. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. Holy Ghost. I, I need to hear your voice. I need to know you're with me. I need to know you came on me. I need to know every day that you clothed me. I need to be clothed every day by you. Right? Does, does the revelation of, the, of Jesus saying, you can reject me all day long, but if you reject my spirit... Think about this. It said the Bible says the the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Do you know that Bible, the Scripture is designed to kill your self righteousness. It's designed. Paul actually says that you, the Scripture, the law actually entraps you in sin, getting you to the point where you fall on your face and you actually realize I need a Savior. I can't save myself. It's a liberating process, right? It is, it is the most liberating process there is when you realize, I can't fix me, I can't heal me, I can't stop this, I can't stop this, I can't do that. Jesus, yes. right? Yes. Did, did you ever get to the point where you said, Jesus, yes. come on, Jesus. And then when you get Jesus, it's like, come on, Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Are you convinced yet? Are you convinced that... Scripturally, Jesus points to the absolute dependence and the, and the Father actually wanting you to be clothed in glory. Amen. Yet our philosophical position and biblical dependence keeps us in a strange way from absolute reliance on the one who speaks. Do you realize, I, I mean, the Lord has sent me places. I, I, I know people in India who were born in the Hindu um, witchcraft sects of, of Hinduism. And they were beaten as kids. They were taken into, into Hindu temples where they pray and impart demon powers into them. They, come, they go in able to speak and talk and they come out deaf and mute. That's not, that's not a lie. They, they come out of the Hindu temple deaf and mute. It's, a, it's an epidemic in, in, in India. Okay? And I know people that the Lord's mercy was so great that Jesus walks into the room. This my, my, One of my preacher interpreter guys over there, Jesus walked into his room. He worshipped the snake god, okay? This guy worshipped the snake god. He grew up demons, depressed, everything. And Jesus walked into his room and breathed on him, okay? And he begins preaching the gospel. He didn't even know. He didn't have a Bible, but he met the king. There was no scripture present with him, but he met the God who raises the dead and heals the sick. And in the visitation, he was instructed to go to this street in this city on this date at this time. And he literally goes. And there's a, there's a, this is a true story. There's a, there's a um, preacher from America, a prophet in this particular city doing um, a pastor's meeting. And the, pro the prophet 
stood up in the meeting and called this Hindu man by name. He comes forward and he says, son, <laughs> the Lord said that he visited you, but he sent you to me like, like Paul was sent to Ananias. And I'm going to lay my hands on you that you would be baptized in the Holy Ghost in power. And this guy preaches all over the, the province of, of Andhra Pradesh in India. Wow. Okay? Amen. He didn't have a Bible. He was encountered by the supernatural living God, wow. by the Holy Ghost and power, by men that the Lord actually sent him to and saying, you need to lay hands on this guy, just like Peter and John that went down to Samaria to the new believers. He laid hands on this guy. And they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And this, this guy has preached to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. Okay? Thank you, Are you convinced yet you need the Holy Ghost? I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. We believe I'm trying my best, guys. <laughs> you see, I mean, I could tell you all kinds of stories. I, um, do you expect the Lord to speak to you? I mean, a lot, a lot of what we do or what I've been doing with you is breaking off this lie and this shame and this dead religious stuff and that you would recognize that the love of Christ for you, that you don't have to do anything but your, to, to receive the Holy Spirit other than say and repent that Jesus is my Lord and that you begin to follow the voice of God. Yeah. Right? And the glory of God will take you to the ends of the earth. Right? right. To the ends of the earth. I, I, was a, I was a guy who drank four or five nights a week until I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And got supernaturally supercharged and started hearing the voice of God and he started sending me places. Okay? And I said, yes, I, I obeyed him. Okay? That's the second, that's, that's one of the next things. Mm. Was that the Lord? You can't mess up anything that God can't fix. Okay? Yeah, that was the Lord. Go lay hands on that guy. Go, go command that demon to come out of that guy. Go ask him if, they're, if they have depression and pray for him. Right? I, uh, the Lord woke me up one, one day in uh, 2019, and uh, I had met this pastor in Cape Ridge, Ohio, and it was about two hours north from where I was living. I was living in West Virginia, and the Lord said, um, uh, it, was, it was early, it was like 6 a.m. Sunday morning, and he says, um, I want you to go to this church, and I want um, you to call out um, a woman named Leah, Okay? And so I walk into, the, I drive, okay? Who would do this? I get in my car. I said, Shell, Lord told me to go. I get in my car. She had to go to work. So I'm in my car. I'm, dri I'm driving up to Cambridge, Ohio. I get to this guy's church, and I, I met him a, a couple times. But I walk up, and he looks at me. He says, why are you here? I said, the Lord sent me. He goes, what do you got? <laughs> I said, I said, there's a prophecy for a woman in your church that's going to that's gonna change something. He says, all right. So he, he takes me in. Um, didn't even start praising worship. He says, the Lord sent this man here, put the mic in front of my face, and uh, I'm standing in front of this church, and I said, um, the, the Lord's asking for a woman named Leah. He wants to change your name. And... All of a sudden, this woman, this young lady, she's in her late 20s, she stands up and she gets up front and she's, she's crying. And um, the prophecy was, I said, I said, do you know the story of Leah and Rachel? And she, she says, 
Rachel's my real name, my first name. Lee is my middle name. And I don't like the name Rachel, so I go by Leah. And I said, do you know the story, the difference between Leah and Rachel? Jacob loved Rachel. And Jacob, uh, Jacob and Rachel produced the one who sits on the right hand of the Father. Right? And I said, from this day forward, you're no longer Leah. But you are what your parents named you. You're Rachel. And I laid my hand on her. She falls to the ground and she gets up off the ground praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay? Is there anybody else? <laughs> Guess what? There was no worship that day. There was nobody preaching that day. The Lord preached that day. Right? The Lord preached that day. The Lord preached that day. And that's the reality of what church is supposed to be. We've got this stuff orchestrated 45 minutes for this, 15 minutes for announcements, and God forbid if you go over your 35-minute window for your preaching. What if the Lord wanted to do something on that day to the man who only would come to church that one day, and you missed it? You missed it because you were more subject to the system than you were to the boys. My God, that should scare the living daylights out of you to be so to be dissensitive and reject the Holy Spirit for a system. What would our sanctuaries look like if people came, got out of bed, saying, "All right, Holy Ghost, what are you saying today?" And you had a leadership group who said, "We got hungry believers baptized in the Holy Ghost. We are ready for what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know the Holy Ghost is going to happen." And there's bodies on the floor. There's people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's people who struggled with depression for decades getting delivered from. I mean, what would it look like? What would it look like if you shouted in your prayer room, show me your glory. I'm not leaving this place till you glorify me the same way you glorified Jesus. Amen. 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 (laughs) All right. I got, I got a whole bunch of stories. I'm not, I think, I think we got enough stories in tonight. Can you feel the presence of God? Jesus wants to do something with you tonight. He wants to shift something in you tonight. He he wants to put a new glory on you. Some of you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost before, but I'm telling you today there's a new glory for you. Some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You're like those ones that Philip went down to to reveal Jesus to, but even Philip said, we're not done. We need to get the believers baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire. That they too would go into the world. Did you know that Jesus said that, that these signs will follow believers? Yes. Not apostles, not prophets, not evangelists. He said these signs will follow believers. You will cast out devils. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. You will prophesy. You have words of knowledge. You will have faith. You will have the working of miracles. You will have tongues, interpretation of tongues. You will have every spiritual gift according to the power of the Holy Ghost. Because it's not your strength. You've learned to rely on the strength of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. Okay? Who here has never been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Who here does not pray in tongues who's never used the gifts of the Spirit? Is there anybody who's, who, who has never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Got one? Two? Anybody else? All right. We're going to pray for them first. We want the believers 
that Philip went and revealed Jesus to, who said, Jesus isn't done with you. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire, and you're going to go do this stuff. Right? You're going to go to another nation. Right? You're going to go to, the, to California and cast demons out of people. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.